Before we jump into the episode, a brief message from this episode's sponsor. Sometimes doctors need quick access to cash. Doc2Doc Lending believes that when debt can be avoided, it should be. They also realize that borrowing is sometimes necessary for doctors to overcome short-term cash issues and improve their long-term financial health. Doc2Doc Lending was founded by doctors, all of whom started as cash-strapped residents like me. Doc2Doc Lending exists not only to meet doctors in their moment of need, but to do so in a way that appreciates each doctor borrower as their fellow physicians can. Apply for the loan you need with Doc2Doc Lending at drpodcastnetwork.com slash doc2doc. That's spelled D-O-C-2, D-O-C, it's numeral two. That's drpodcastnetwork.com slash doc, numeral two, doc. Welcome to another episode of Medical Liability Minute, where we talk for more than a minute. And I'm your host, Jeff Siegel, founder and CEO of Medical Justice. And we're joined today by two of some of my favorite people, Michael Bird and Brad Adato, both attorneys in the law firm Bird Adato. Man, that's a coincidence that you have the same name as the people who are there. Did you set it up that way? Hmm. Well, it, it is a coincidence, honestly. All right. Anyway, just um, I am a um, I am a partner in the firm. Just a little bit of background. Um, we've known each other on the professional speaking circuit um, for a number of years. I think we got along well. I, I'm sure they will agree. We've definitely had overlapping clients. And I joined as a partner two years ago. I still have my day job running medical justice, but I am a a full participant in the Bertadato Law Firm. So for those of you not intimately familiar with Bertadotta, you should become familiar with them. They're both entrepreneurs who happen to practice law. Their toolkit is finding long-term solutions for healthcare practices, and they do a bit more than healthcare, but they do predominantly healthcare, um, mainly including having solved the problem of hourly billing. And who does not hate hourly billing? billing? I know I do. And let me just give you a little bit of background of my experience with hourly billing. It was with my accountant and this was 15 years ago and I had been comfortable paying him by the hour. And he said, guess what? We're moving to subscription billing. And I said, well, no can do. I'm not along for that ride. And he says, hate to see you go. And um, I said, what are you talking about? We've had a long relationship. I said, look, it's, we think our clients are better served having a known budget they put together for a year and allows us to preemptively give you great tax guidance so at the end of the year you look good i look good everybody looks great and you're not shy about asking for advice because there is no more hourly billing so i came along kicking and screaming i think it's one of the best decisions i ever made um, i i was a reluctant participant in this and i'm glad they twisted my arm and with that as background let me welcome both of you gentlemen Thanks, Mike and Brad, for joining me today. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, you know, longtime listener, first-time caller, so this is exciting for us. <laughs> Glad to be here. I think the place to start is with your backgrounds. Both of you are offsprings of physicians. That is correct, is it not? Yes, yes, it is. My dad's a, a plastic surgeon who's just retired from surgery in the last year. He's still active with his pediatric practice. 
Yeah, and for me, it was uh, I, I was the mud of the family because one side of the family were all dentists, and the other side of the family were all MDs. And so uh, I was supposed to be either a dentist or a uh, MD, and uh, neither one uh, seemed like a really good idea to me ever. So I'm pretty happy that I went a different route. So both of you ultimately ended up in law. Tell me how that happened and how the two of you found each other and how you've been able to grow this practice from just an idea in your brain into, I would say, a powerhouse in very niche healthcare spaces. Well, I can start because my story is much more boring than Brad's. He has a pretty interesting uh, story of how he arrived at in Dallas and we were able to partner up. It was so, a stormy background, was it not? <laughs> great foreshadowing, Jeff. I love it. Okay. Uh, Master of subtlety. So we, uh, I, I graduated, I did the traditional route. I went to UT undergrad straight to law school and worked, went straight to a big firm in downtown Dallas from there and uh, was hired to be a commercial litigator. I, was getting pet projects from my dad and his partners because this was the mid nineties. This was the peak of the era of doctors hate lawyers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so there was no tort reform in Texas at the time. And they hired me simply because they trusted that I wouldn't screw them over, even though I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, saw a tremendous opportunity as there was not really even healthcare lawyers back at that time, much less healthcare lawyers who mm -hmm. focused on the provider side and really focused on growing that. And it grew organically uh, up until the time that, that Brad and I joined forces. And that's probably the time where Brad can give his background and get us back up to that moment. Yeah, I mean, for me, Jeff, you know, like I said, early on, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. And it was, of, of all places, at a sixth grade uh, career day. And I had some attorney up on the stage talk about what he did. And it sounded really interesting. And right then and there, I was like, oh, I think I want to do that. And I remember going home and talking to my dad and saying, hey, I want to be an attorney. And he was like, sure, you know, every family needs one attorney, <laughs> one attorney. Um, so that kind of started off from there. And I, I went a different route. Uh, Although I dipped my toe in uh, Texas at one point going to TCU, being a horn frog, I'm, I'm from New Orleans, and I went back there for law school because I was told by my, my dad's friends who were lawyers, hey, if you're practicing in Louisiana, you want to take uh, come here and take civil law. It's a little bit different. Uh, uh, we, we, everyone calls it the Napoleonic Code, but a little bit different than other states. Actually, it's a lot different. But So I went there and uh, started my first eight years uh, working my way through basically on only, only doing healthcare regulatory law stuff uh, in-house with the management service organization left to my outside healthcare council and things were uh, clipping along really nicely. And then that, as you kind of alluded to, a, a dark and stormy night arrived and that stormy night was called Hurricane Katrina. Unfortunately, it arrived uh, just as I moved into my brand new house uh, two days before that. And not only did I get to put all my new furniture into that new house, but I also got to put in about two weeks worth of water for my first floor. So it, it was, you know, some people think you're a rich guy if you have an indoor swimming pool. <laughs> I felt pretty confident that, uh, you know, people would want an indoor swimming pool. You just didn't have a first floor. Um, so that was the only <laughs> problem. So that kind of changed the way uh, we were looking at things. And unfortunately, at the time, you know, we had a, uh, not unfortunately, but 
we were basically homeless and I was married with a, a, a seventh month old child. And that's the best thing you always want to be is a homeless uh, when you're, when you're married and having seventh month old, seventh month old child. But lo, lo and behold, uh, through some emails and friends, my resume ended up being on Michael Bird's desk and we ended up having a long distance uh, conversations, which started uh, uh, kicking us off to grabbing a lunch one day and flew up to Dallas from New Orleans. Actually, I was living in Baton Rouge at the time and uh, ended up having a two hour lunch with him and it just really connected. And I realized if I don't know if Michael is pretty upfront, I don't got a spot for you right now, but if I ever do love to figure out a way to make it work. And uh, he was true to his word, and it just it grew from there. So you joined him in the firm, but there was a gap between the two of you being in a large firm and deciding to bounce out on your own, which is always a scary proposition because you trade what is perceived to be a safe paycheck to the, I don't know how this will turn out. What's the worst that can happen? Well, sometimes the worst that can happen is pretty stinking bad. Yeah. You, know, you know, Jeff, you said something in the very beginning. I think if, if you didn't coin this, uh, it, it definitely is how Michael and I feel. We definitely have that entrepreneur spirit. It might be because it's contagious. Both our dads were entrepreneurs in the way they did stuff. And, you know, we've always, my dad's always said, you know, you'll be the happiest you can always be in your life if you're your own boss. And so mm -hmm. I've always had that in the back of my mind. And so, you know, when, when Michael and I decided to go start this firm, it really was. We saw what our clients did and how much uh, joy they had out of running their own business. And so really that really kicked us off for us. I mean, we had a lot of other reasons, but that spirit is what drove us to start this firm. And I'll add too that when when Brad joined, all the conversations that we had about how we could pour accelerant on this organic healthcare practice that I had been building and knowing that Brad had to start all over because when he left New Orleans, you know, it, 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 we were making the assumption that his clients, you know, wouldn't follow him to Dallas, Texas. In our wildest dreams, we never dreamed that one day we would own a firm and start a firm together and have, you know, a national office with the neurosurgeon as a partner. And so uh, it, it was uh, as exciting as it was. Uh, when we were having these talks about what could be, we way underestimated ourselves. And uh, and I say that to say that we, though restrained by the traditional law firm setting, were pretty entrepreneurial from the very beginning, you know, starting with speaking at the conferences where we would obviously connect with you and, and building a, a, a national client base through that strategy, which is not the most common strategy am, among law firms. And I would say it's a very unusual strategy. And I think one of the, use the word accelerant, I think one of the things that has moved you in that positive direction is the Access Plus program. And I think it would be useful to explain how that came about, why it came about, and, and then what it is. And it does relate to the the death knell of hourly billing. I mean, it's, hourly billing doesn't really go away entirely, but it goes away mostly. And I think you recognize properly that people don't just hate it, they loathe it. And that's not love, they loathe, loathe it. Well, first of all, I think we would have saved ourselves a lot of pain if we would have met your accountant several years ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Trying yes. to figure out how to do this. But uh, I, I would say Brad and I have been talking about this since the day he joined. I mean, we actually had 
our true beta beta version of this for a client back in 2006 at our old firm and uh and it worked great and and it was just a not even close to what we have today but we learned lessons and then mm-hmm. uh, we just kept talking about you know how the hourly experience does not create alignment between us and the client and how mm-hmm. painful the conversations are when they have unmet expectations because of the bill that comes in the mail. And the flip side is, is, you know, if there's a big bill and, uh, you know, presuming ethical attorneys doing their best for their clients that you worked really hard during that time. And so it, it just is, it's not a healthy dynamic for a relationship that needs to be built entirely on trust. And so we tried to solve it for, years and we finally felt the freedom to try and make mistakes once we had our own firm and that's where it was born 2017 we called that our beta year we started it with clients who we had long relationships with who would who would work through it with us and we knew the relationship was strong enough for mistakes that were made we erred on the side of them being the beneficiaries of our mistakes. And some certainly made some really, really, they did well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. We, well, you took the risk. And the thing is, you're in a perfect world. You would share the risk. Everybody would get exactly what they bargained for. But early on, when you don't know how to arbitrage that properly, you err on the side of giving the client the benefit of the doubt, I'm guessing. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, 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 but what we found during that year, you know, even the ones, obviously the ones who really benefited, but everyone really loved that experience. And what we, what, what we most noticed was the absence of calls at the beginning of every month, wanting to have a conversation about bills. And, uh, and so we went from not having them that often because we had strategies to try to proactively communicate our budgets but we did have them sometimes too now um you know we don't and 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 so we really were encouraged when we saw how 2017 was going to the point that not only did we launch it in 2018 we put it on our website and it was like okay this is it this is a real now it was an option and we weren't forcing it on anyone Uh, but we wanted to give another alternative and it blew up. It's now, you know, anywhere between 70 to 75% of our client base, you know, depending on, you know, the ebbs and flows of the other work is in our access plus program. And when you say it blew up, you mean it blew up in a positive way for everyone. Yeah. Not a bad way. This is 2020, Michael. You have to use that term better. Yes. Yes. Poor, poor choice of words there. You know, it's interesting because the default assumption when you're dealing with hourly billing is that the attorney will slow go it, that they won't be amazingly efficient, that they'll take their time to maximize the hourly billing, whether that's correct or not correct. And you end up getting, you're on the wrong side of that perception. It's interesting. There's a, there's a law firm in Florida in the professional liability space. They defend doctors. It's a prepaid legal expense firm for doctors who are going bare. Uh, they couldn't find affordable professional liability coverage, but they still needed someone to defend them um, in a case, even if the case would ultimately get dismissed. And so they put together this interesting model, not dissimilar to what you did. It's kind of a prepaid model. There's no hourly billing. 
And here's what I learned. I learned that they don't allow cases to drag out forever. I learned that they move on it really quickly. They're amazingly efficient, and that aligns directly with their clients. Their clients don't want something lingering for two years. If it can be dismissed sooner rather than later, by God, do it. Make it happen. And that's probably been your experience, too, that you kind of move on things quickly, but more importantly, it's the perception that you're moving on it quickly. Yeah, and the only, the other thing I'd like to add is because of the way the program is built, the clients get unlimited access to our us and our team uh, via emails and, and and phone calls. And the reason why I love that aspect of it, and, and Jeff, you've heard me talk about this before, is a lot of times what happens is a client is afraid of that. You know, as soon as they call that attorney, they hear that the the cab, the old cabs where they pull the little thing down and starts it starts ticking and ticking and ticking, and they'll get in, they'll ask you. Instead of asking you the full question that would probably take five minutes to set up, they'll ask you a 30-second question to get you in, on and off that call. You give them a 30-second answer, you know, and the next thing you know, they you don't really help them at all. They think they got a good advice, but they didn't. And so what I've loved about this program is we are incentivizing our clients to email us before they do anything or call us, and that's part of the program because – we would rather be in the front end of if any of these deals helping protect our client versus at the backside where they're getting tattooed because they now have to go to to litigation, which we don't do, or now they have to, um, you know, fight through something or they had a really bad contract that we're gonna have to redo. All those redos always cost more money, and I always call it the, the 550 rule, right? You can pay someone five bucks up front to do it correctly, or you're gonna pay them 50 bucks on the backside to fix it. I'd rather pay someone five bucks up front to do it right. And I'll uh, add to what you're talking about with the Florida firm and the kind of the element of speeding up uh, the the cases. First of all, I've, I have heard of that Florida firm, and I think their model's fascinating uh, and really smart. Um, I haven't met anybody there. Yeah, it's Lou, uh, Lou Bell and Rosen. We'll give them a shout out. They're, they're good people. Your, your paths should definitely cross. They, they mostly do um, professional liability, but they do a bit more. Too. Yeah. So to your point, uh, one of the things we learned quickly in the subscription model is that customer service is king. It is the premium. And so it looks a lot of different ways. Number one is, yes, you need um, prompt, good advice. But what we found in healthcare is that it gave us freedom to work as a team and really get to the bottom of some really hard questions without worrying about perception issues of having multiple attorneys billing on a file. Um, and because uh, that's that's the one of the big complaints in the hourly model is why did it take a partner and three associates to solve this question? And oftentimes in healthcare, it does take that, but it's a hard it's hard to overcome and explain that. Um, and then in the hourly model or in the in the subscription model, we just can do that and they get this, you know, white glove treatment and we feel confident that we've really uh, turned that problem inside and out and made sure all angles are covered. Yeah, and especially when it comes to the, the regulatory stuff that we touch, there is, you know, a lot of people love the black and white areas of, of uh, it's either, you know, illegal or it's legal. And unfortunately, the vast majority of things that most people enter into the arrangement is going to be in that gray area. Right. And so trying to figure out, is it charcoal gray or, or or is it a light white or dark white or whatever color it is, 
that's hard. I mean, I've been at this for 20 plus years. Same with Michael. I mean, we have partners who have been in it for 25 years also. When we sit down and kind of analyze something, we all bring our own thoughts and and what we've looked at has the how the how the law was written, how the government's enforced it. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it, and you want to be right for that client. And so what I, I love about it is, you know, we had someone recently say, you guys act more like a team versus other other law firms where you have just you're kind of an individual on your own island and you go figure it out. I like the way you put it. You want to get it right for that client because there's so many things that are gray zone. Every client certainly has a different tolerance for risk. It's no different than a surgeon deciding on what to do for a particular patient. There are some people say, I can't take this pain any longer, cut me open immediately. The other patient will say, no way, no how will I ever have anyone cut me. And the goal is to figure out how do you identify what's the right treatment for that patient. And similarly, because there are so many things that are gray zone, you've got to tease out what is the risk tolerance for that client? I mean, it's, I think people will understand this as it relates to tax law. I mean, I have no idea how big the tax code is, but I know it's bigger than the old proverbial telephone book. And you've just yeah. tried to figure out, you know, if you, the easiest thing to do is to say no to the client, just don't do anything, don't take any action. But if you can find a business solution for them and it, it's tailored to a reasonable risk for that client, you've informed them as to the up and downside, you're probably going to have a happier long-term client. Well stated. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, uh, Brad's said multiple times at the uh, podium over the years and on, on our podcast, you know, that some people are uh, nervous to step out of the shower and some people <laughs> are willing to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And uh, you got to figure out what type of uh, risk tolerance, to your point, our, that particular person is. And what I've learned over the years, Jeff, is you can have the same client that will do a deal that you're like, okay, this is really risky. And like, oh, yeah, sick, that's great. And then you'll set the same – you'll feel like you're setting the same cards in front of them saying your risk profile, and they will be like, no way. I would never do that. So you really do have to spend the time with them on every single arrangement to show them, you know, here are your choices. Here's what we can do. And I, you know, I will always work with a client, as you said, I, I don't like saying the word no, but I definitely like, don't like saying the word orange jumpsuit. Um, so there's, there's a difference between the two. And unfortunately, you know, Michael and I have been at this long enough that we've lost clients because they, they are pushing themselves in the orange jumpsuit world and we didn't feel comfortable being a part of it. Or, or we had to fire a client because they refused to listen to our advice. And then we're telling everyone that we said it was good to go. So you have to be careful, but you're right. It's, the no word sucks saying, and I don't like saying it. What I like to say is yes and, um, and that helps many times trying to get the client where they need to be. I found that with kids, uh, it was so much easier to say yes if as opposed to no because. I got to the same outcome, but uh, yes, that, that that was the big if. You know, it's interesting that you talk about potential criminal liability. I had this question set for the end, but we got to segue right into it. And you know this, doctors are smart, really, really smart. How is it that some doctors end up in criminal court? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing sometimes they receive bad advice or at times no advice. Sometimes they're naive. Sometimes they think they won't get caught. Maybe all of the above, maybe none of the above. Jump right in because I know all of us have seen our share of physicians who either um, are at risk of being in an orange jumpsuit or 
have actually spent some time in an orange jumpsuit. Well, at the risk of sounding like a licensed counselor, uh, of why they do this, it, I guess it does depend how far back we want to peel the onion. Uh, I think that you know some simple things to get your arms around are that doctors, as we say, we know they're really smart. That's one of the things we love about working with them is it's really stimulating and challenging to work with someone who's who's intelligent and. Uh, yet, in their training, they learn nothing about the regulatory landscape for the business they're about to go into. And so when hard things are out there that they don't understand, there tends to be a big head in the sand mentality about it that gets fueled by the everyone else is doing it mentality mm -hmm. that you see out there. And uh, And so I think that's a big part of the problem. And frankly, Sometimes it's arrogance and greed, and um, and usually the ones that are the, the arrogant and greed ones are the ones that we don't last with because their their intention is to try to get away with something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the at the end of the day, going back to what you, your your major question is why I agree with Michael. Sometimes it's it's all of the above. I I've been around enough times where. You know, I, I will 100% agree with you that, it's, you know, sitting in a room with a doc, sometimes by far they're the smartest guy in the room. The problem is they they think that because of their smartest guy in the room, they know everything. And I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, anytime someone has a question, if I don't know it, I don't know it. I'm more than happy to tell them that. Unfortunately, a lot of times with the physicians, they one time picked up a book or walked by a law firm or had a lawyer before, and they think they learned the law because of that. And they don't realize that there's a huge knowledge gap as to what what's really what the real law is and the real applications of the law. And I think that's sometimes where they get in trouble. And the mentality of everyone's doing it, it goes really well in, in the doctor world. That was literally an hour call I had yesterday. It was like, well, everyone's doing it and they said it's okay. And I kept trying to explain to that physician, that may be great and all, but everything you're explaining to me that if you're having which we call program payers, Medicare, Medicaid, TRICARE, mm -hmm. uh, involved, that's orange jumpsuit problems. And so, so we need to learn more before you just jump in because everyone's doing it. And, and we, that mentality is, sounds great, uh, I guess, in a lot of times in life, but it doesn't work well with the, the, the federal or state government. And more importantly, and you know this, Jeff, as well as anyone, is it doesn't work well with your medical board if they just perceive what you're doing as unethical and unprofessional. Yeah, we've we've definitely seen it where people will say everybody else is doing it, but I've also heard the the footnote associated with that, and it's been vetted by their attorneys, <laughs> underline their attorneys, but they don't know who that attorney is, and that attorney, of course, does not represent the person who ultimately ends up in the orange jumpsuit. The other point is that unlike many things related to anatomy and biochemistry, the law is constantly evolving, it changes, and what may have been kosher 10 years ago, ultimately the law gets updated, revised, or there are court cases that interpret this, and every state is different. What may be allowable in uh, Texas, for example, may not be allowable in California. You get the doctor who moved there, didn't update any of their documents or paperwork, and lo and behold, they find they're not in compliance with some regulatory um, provision that's been in place for, for probably two decades there. I mean, it's all of the above. And I think, to your point, you, you can pay me $5 now or $50 later. I mean, in one sense, it's why lawyers in general 
are big fans of legal zoom the templates that you can just spit mm -hmm. out because for anything other than the the you know the simplest of of chores it turns into something that can potentially create a giant problem down the road i know for most doctors i think that if you have accumulated any assets or have any complexity in your life and you've just downloaded a legal zoom document for your estate plan i'm going to guess your your heirs will not be happy with the outcome and they'll be fighting you know tooth and nail to make sure that they get their quote unquote fair share you know the 550 rule holds and it also holds in um bicycle repair i went to a um, bicycle repair shop in Moab, Utah. This was a long time ago. In fact, I still remember the name of it. It's called Rim Cyclery, and it just had a colorful sign on the wall, and it says, $10 an hour uh, for us to fix it now, $50 an hour if you screwed with it first. And it wasn't actually screwed. It was a different, it was a synonym for, for that. <laughs> was it, it was the word duck? <laughs> you're getting warm. You're getting, you're getting, you're getting quite warm here. But um, but I digress. Sorry about that. And I'll I'll kind of add a story to that mentality. It's I have a a client who's who is a wonderful guy and a very trusting guy and a very uh, risk tolerant guy. And he uh, one time emailed me and said, "Hey, here's a medical director agreement. Um, I'm." planning to sign it, but I thought I'd just have you check it real fast and tell me if it's okay to sign it. And, uh, and he's, he's in our subscription model. So, you know, he's, uh, he probably wouldn't have reached out if it weren't for that. But it cost him nothing to say, would you mind eyeballing this? Yes. And so I took literally 30 seconds to open it and stop and respond to him and say, don't do anything until we talk because this agreement that was a simple, medical director agreement was going to make him a general partner <laughs> and have individual liability for this business. And it was set up illegally so that if there was any compliance problems, it would be his medical license that was on the line. And as it turns out, we're probably going to be able to work it out. The other guy's a good guy, but the other guy just took a form and sent it to him and had no idea what he was, you know, handing over to, uh, you know, our client and, uh, and it just, it's so easy kind of going back to that. Everyone else is doing it thing is that I don't know if it's legal zoom. I don't know if it's just instant gratification because we're so busy doing the things that we were trained to do, but, um, you know, there's some really big mistakes that, that happen. And I would say one more thing you said earlier about the vetted, that is a huge trap to have someone else say, Oh, my, some other attorney vetted it. Because I have been on the end of those where I get a phone call, you know, it's 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 literally down, you know, three, four, five down the row. Hey, you vetted this for, you know, Dr. K, and you said this was okay. Well, first off, I can't even say whether or not I vetted it for Dr. K, because uh, if he's a client, I can't say what he's done or not. And I said, look, mm -hmm. I don't represent you. I don't know what document you're referencing because the document may have changed ten different ways this Sunday. And whether or not whether or not I, I gave advice to Dr. K or not, I can't advise you whether or not you should invest this. And the, the, the doc was getting upset with he and his wife on the call. Well, you did it for them. Why can't you just say it's okay for us? I was like, well, you need to send me the documents. I got to see what you're looking at. I have no idea. They said, well, it's the exact same things that they said that you did for them. I said, I don't know that to be true. So I, I never got hired by this person. And believe it or not, 
fast forward to a year and a half, two years later, I got a call from the FBI. Um, and which never uh, a good sign. Well, typically yeah. not a good sign. Sometimes it is, but and rarely all around that particular doc because they got in the deal, did it all incorrectly. And somewhere along the way, they said I was their counsel, which again, I was not. They found it. Well, let me back up even further. There was an email for me explaining to him that he needed to get counsel. And so they reached out, the FBI reached out to me. Um, but you know, going all around is the whole story of you need to vet it yourself and have your own attorney look at it. You cannot rely on some other attorney because they're going to tell you the same thing I just did. I have no idea what you're talking about. And so it could have been, and, and, and Michael's example is also a perfect example is we have put together great documents before that someone else grabbed, butchered, someone else grabbed and butchered. And by the time it gets to the third or fourth party, they said, oh, Berta Dada put these together. And they come back to us because we've had clients say, hey, they said you put these together. And we look at them and go, these are not our documents. You can tell when you start to see the cut and paste documents um, from other people um, in terms of the grammar, the spell check that didn't happen. HIPAA starts to get spelled H-I-P-P-A. I mean, it, for, first of all, it's, it's just wrong. But more importantly, it looks bad. When if you're in court trying to defend the document, everybody's going to say, you didn't even bother to spell check this. Can we even count on you to be a talented physician, you know, with attention to detail? And, you know, the answer is, well, I just copied it. Sorry about that. <laughs> Before we close, a brief reminder from this episode's sponsor. If you need quick access to cash, contact doc to doc Lending at drpodcastnetwork.com slash doc2doc. That's doc to doc And with that, we're at the end of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us. In closing, a few messages. If you're an existing member of medical or dental justice, and you find yourself on the receiving end of a medical legal threat, please contact us at 1-877-MEDJUST. That's 1-877-MEDJUST or 633-5878. Our STAT hotline is a service offered to all current members. It's designed to get your urgent medical legal questions answered ASAP. Members can also access a plethora of exclusive medical legal resources by logging into their members-only page, which can be accessed by our website, medicaljustice.com. Now, we want to protect as many doctors as possible. If one of your colleagues is in trouble, please refer him. When a current member of Medical Justice refers a colleague and that colleague becomes a member, you both receive a month of free protection. To refer a colleague, write to us at infonews, that's I-N-F-O news, at medicaljustice.com. That's infonews at medicaljustice.com. Now, if you're not an existing member of medical or dental justice, but want to bulletproof your practice from medical legal threats, our admin, Wendy Cates, is your best resource for information about our protection plans, implementation best practices, and pricing models. Wendy can be reached directly at 336-358-5587. We offer discounts for large groups, and protect doctors of all specialties in all states. Now, before we close, one last request. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review on your preferred podcast provider and share our podcast with your colleagues. Reviews help maintain our podcast visibility, which in turn helps us reach a broader audience. This helps us protect more doctors.
Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Medical Liability Minute.